Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. Well, that that's not a good start, is it? That That's not a good start at all. When you get ready to talk and your voice is like, nope, that's it. I'm done. You need to stop. You need to go home. My voice did not want to start there. So let's... I, that, that see that's that's the beauty of live broadcasting, and I'm saying that sarcastically. That's the bad thing of live broadcasting. See, if I would have been starting that and I was recording, I would have just simply stopped, deleted, and started over. But I'm live on the air, so I cannot do that. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, January the fifteenth, twenty twenty-two. It is currently 10.57 a.m. Central Time, and here I sit once again inside the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church, and we all know where Victory Baptist Church is located, right? In the middle of nowhere, Texas. So here I sit in the middle of nowhere in an empty building by myself, but once again, even though I'm sitting here by myself, my good friend has walked through the door to sit down and have a discussion with us. And you know who that good friend is. He's very old. He's over 500 years old. Uh, you know who he is, Thomas Akempis. Now, obviously, I'm not saying the real Thomas Akempis have, has walked through the door. I'm saying that in a very figurative way, all right, I have a copy of Thomas Akempis's writing right here next to me. And that is the book, The Imitation of Christ, which we have now been studying for a very long time. It's been a very slow but steady process. I think we've made some slow and steady progress. I think, I hope that it's been beneficial. It it goes to really, it's really weird how this series has worked. It's like, I'll go through a period where I'm like, okay, nobody cares. Nobody's listening The numbers are way, way, way down. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, I'll start getting emails going, man, that was really convicting. That was really good. That was, and I'm like, okay, wait, wait. So the numbers are going back up. And then it'll be like, they'll start going back down. It's really weird. I know basically working through the imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, the way we're working through it, I know it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but I do hope you understand its significance and importance. I, I, Remember, I, I know I say this every time. One of the reasons I chose this book is while the pandemic, right, the very early stages of the pandemic, I knew people were going to get distracted. They're going to be yelling and fighting and arguing about so many different issues. And I wanted everyone to have something that they could just turn to, to turn off all of that arguing and all of that fighting that would put their that would give them something to meditate on, to think about, to contemplate that was spiritual, something that would get them to focus on the things of God instead of the discussions, debates, and arguments of the world. And though that's what I was trying to accomplish. And here we are, January 2022, and with the pandemic currently in the state that it is right now, the need is still there. The country is more divided than it's ever been. People are still yelling and arguing and fighting and debating. There's still a need for you to turn all of that off and put your mind on things that are spiritual. And I think the writing of Thomas Akempis is just made for giving you these little things just that you can think about and just meditate on and chew on. Whether you come to a, uh, 
Whether you decide you agree or whether you decide you disagree, there's still plenty there to think about. And I I think it's been a very beneficial exercise, and hopefully you have as well. The only thing that, that, again, I I like to to be uh, try to be as honest as I can be, I, I sometimes get mad at myself because there's plenty to think about, and then I, instead of really, really, really doing enough thinking on it, I have a tendency then to close the book and go move on to the next thing and move on to the next thing and move on to the next thing. As And if you listen to this podcast, you know we're always going to another thing and then another thing and then this, and we're working on this and we need to do this. I I, I start so many things that it's almost impossible for for myself to keep up. But So that sometimes make me makes me angry that I could have probably done a better job Sometimes I think I could do a better job in limiting the number of episodes, but then at the same time, and when I say limiting the number of episodes, the number of episodes for this podcast, because we cover so many different things, sometimes I think I could be, we could, we could improve the focus if we did that. But then I, then I feel like if we did that, we would be missing out on talking about so many important issues. And I know some of the issues I talk about you may not think are important, but the goal here is to try to give you a theological perspective on all areas of life. So we we talked about music. We talked about, we've talked about Romans 13. We talked about religious freedom. We, We, I mean, we talk about so many issues because really there's not an issue we can't talk about. And there's really not an issue that I should avoid because you need to hear them from a theological perspective. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I can debate with myself all day about that, but you don't, you're not here to listen to me debate with myself about, well, do I do too many broadcasts? What should I do less? You're, you don't care about any of that. What you care about, hopefully, is that we need to get back to Thomas Akempis because, I mean, he, he's, I mean, he's here. I mean, 500 years. I mean, He's he's old enough, right? We don't we don't want to keep him waiting any longer, right? So come on, have a seat right here. Here, here. Let's pull up a chair. Right here. Let's pull up a chair. Right there. Have a seat, Thomas. All right. What do you have for us today, Mr. Thomas Akempis? What do you have for us? Yeah, yes. No, that's an iPad. I know you don't know what that is, but that's an iPad. Okay. All right. Here we go. All right. Here is the, I'm joking, obviously. All right. Here we go. Are you ready? We are in book two, chapter five. Consideration of oneself. What Thomas Akempis has tried to explain to all of us is that we have a tendency to be preoccupied with everyone else, their sin, their failures, their shortcomings, their problems. And we get, we're preoccupied with everyone else. And as uh, as a result of being so preoccupied with everyone else, we ignore our own selves and where we are spiritually. And it's to our own spiritual detriment Think of it this way. Your spiritual growth is hindered when you spend all of your time looking out a window instead of looking into a mirror. Now, we should be preoccupied with other people. And if if you listen to the last broadcast, these two are very much connected. Sometimes when we should be looking out for at other people, in other words, looking how to help other people, uh, preferring other people above ourselves, putting people before us, ministering to other people. Sometimes when we are supposed to actually be looking to other people, then we only look at ourselves. 
And then when we actually shouldn't be looking at other people and looking at ourselves, we then have a tendency to look at everyone else. When it comes to failure, sin, gossip, slander, oh, we're all up in everyone else's business. When it comes to ministering to other people, then we tend to prefer ourselves over other people. We, we have a major issue with this. But Thomas Akempis wants us to focus on this. Stop being worried about everyone else's problems, everyone else's sins. Stop getting in everyone else's business. You've got enough problems, enough sin, and enough weakness in yourself. And I think that that is obviously very important advice. I'm going to go back and just read the paragraph right before where I'm going to read the last paragraph we covered, and this will lead us into the new one. Here we go. The inward Christian, all right, that's the Christian that's focused inwardly, focus on themselves, and not in a selfish way, but in a way about making sure that we are focused on where we are spiritually. The inward Christian prefers the care of himself before all other cares. And he who diligently attends unto himself easily keeps silence concerning others. In other words, you are, you are worried about yourself. You're focused on yourself and you're not, uh, you, uh, and you keep silence about other people. Look, if you are focused on yourself, trying to make yourself better spiritually, you're working on on yourself and your own spiritual state, then you're, you're silent about other people. You're not running around talking about other people, spreading their sin, spreading their weaknesses, hurting their character. You will never be thus inwardly devout unless you be silent concerning other men's matters. You're never gonna be truly devout if you until you are silent about everyone else's business stop talking about everyone else um it says you will never be th- uh, thusly inwardly devout unless you be silent concerning other men's matters and look especially to yourself if you uh, 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 to yourself if you attend wholly unto yourself and God, you will be little moved with what you see abroad. If you really are preoccupied with yourself, you'll, you won't be so moved by what you see outside of yourself. It doesn't mean you won't be bothered by it. It just means that you, it, it's gonna, you're going to have a proper balance. I think that's important. All right, now, from there, he moves on to this. I know there's so much more there we could say and try to work out and try to even make it as more clear, but at some point I have to move on. And again, what determines a lot of what we discuss is your feedback. So you don't give me feedback. I just have to move on. All right. So here we go. He starts with this. All right. You ready? All right. Here, here, here's Thomas Kempis. He's what he has to say for us. I could, I could try to give a different voice here. Okay. And pretend like it's Thomas Kempis talking, but I'll just read his words. Here we go. All right. I'm, I'm not going to take this, this illustration of Thomas Kempis sitting next to me too far. Now I did pull up an actual chair right here next to me. So, so I did, I went so far to at least pretend Thomas Akempis is sitting here, but I'm not going to now change my voice and try to sound like Thomas Akempis because that would be really embarrassing. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Where are you when you're not with yourself? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Where are you when you're not with yourself? No, what, do, what do you think Thomas Akempis is saying? Where are you when you're not with yourself? 
What, what do you think he's asking there? Like, oh, I mean, I see, I wish everybody was here in the church. I wish I wasn't in an empty sanctuary because I would love to get people going. Well, I think he means, and it would be just fascinating to see what everyone would come up with. Let's see if, instead of trying to speculate, let's see if we can try to figure it out by reading more. Here we go. Where are you when you're not with yourself? And when you have run all over, what have you then profited if you have neglected yourself? So in other words, I think the idea is when you're not, in a sense, when you're not with yourself, when you're just running around focusing on everyone else, focusing on everyone else, and you, in a sense, as he says, you've neglected yourself, what, 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 where was the profit? Now, this is not, I want to make it very clear, and, be, and I'm very sensitive to this considering what we just talked about in the last live broadcast about the new COVID variant, selfishness. I talked about selfishness. What he's talking about, he's not talking about where you're running around trying to minister to other people and help other people and love other people and care for other people. No, it's where you're running around getting involved in everyone else's business, worried about what everyone else is doing, condemning everyone, judging everyone, have an opinion on what everyone else is doing. What does that profit when you neglect yourself? That's what he's getting at. Look, we live in a culture. If you think about it, especially with social media, where we spend so much time on social media talking about other people, giving our opinions about other people. It doesn't matter. It can be celebrities. We have an opinion about what they said. We have an opinion about how they dressed. We have an opinion about everything. And it's always about everyone, everyone else, everyone else, everyone else, everyone else, everyone else, everyone else. We got to stop talking about everyone else. Stop it. If you desire peace of mind and true unity of purpose, you must still put all things behind you and look only upon yourself. If you want true peace of mind and true unity of purpose, if you want to be, you have one true purpose and you want peace of mind, stop, as he says, uh, look only upon yourself. Don't worry about everyone else, what everyone else is doing. You've got, it's just, that's all we do. We run around. Oh, someone says something on social media. I've got to say something about what they did. And we look, 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 we're looking, 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 looking. And, and I've said it so many times. And, and there, and there's just been lots of studies of this. That there's different levels of conversation. And one of the lowest levels of conversation is where you simply talk about other people. All right. Now, so the highest level of conversations where you're talking about ideals and principles and philosophies, where you're not just talking about other people, it used to drive me crazy at work. Now, some people caught on to the way my mind worked, but I hated like, I don't, I don't want to know what so-and-so did. I don't care about, oh, it's just like this mindless gossip, chit-chat, just, oh, it would drive me insane. So I was always the one like, you know, hey, just throw out some random philosophical question. I wanted to talk about ideas and things important, not people, not, no, not, oh, drives me crazy. When you find out your conversation is talking about people and not ideas and things are important, that's, that's a bad sign. And when you, you just got to f- determine how, how much are you preoccupied with other people and you're not really considering yourself spiritually. I know, listen, let me make it very clear. When you read this chapter, 
there's a feeling that may, maybe you'll get this feeling. And I know that that it, it, I, I'm really emphasizing this feeling in, in the way how I keep repeating myself. But in a sense, you're kind of like, okay, Thomas, I get it. 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 Uh, like, can we move on? But Thomas really wants to drive this point home that our spiritual advancement greatly is dependent upon whether we're looking out of a window or looking into a mirror. And if you're always looking out the window, knowing what everyone else is doing and worried about everyone else and talking about everyone else and condemning everyone else and judging everyone else and have an opinion about everyone else, it's probably going to be detrimental to your spiritual life. He's really driving that point home. You shall then make great progress if you keep yourself at leisure from all temporal care. Now, he's kind of transitioning a little bit here. You can make great progress spiritually if you keep yourself at leisure from all temporal care. You shall fall back if you esteem anything temporal. If you esteem anything. So let's do this. Let's do this. I'm going to look up two words here. Let's look up the word esteem. The word esteem definition, all right? To esteem something is to respect. It's respect and admiration. Respect and admiration. When you have great admiration, great esteem of anything that's temporal, right? Anything temporal, you hurt yourself spiritually. This is, this is the, the philosophy of Thomas Akempis. This is what, how he feels about the situation. If you're out there and you esteem something, you have great admiration, you, you grab onto something that's temporal, you hurt yourself spiritually. You need to esteem and admire spiritual things, not temporal things. Now, exactly what that looks like, I, I could try to expand it a little bit, but I, again, I want to give you some of these things for you to, to ponder on. Let's, uh, I think we're down to the last paragraph here. Yes, last paragraph. Let nothing be great unto you, nothing high, nothing pleasing, nothing acceptable, except it be simply God or comes of God. All right, now, this is where we have to once again understand Thomas the Kempis. He is writing, again, this is so important. As someone in a monastery, as a monk in a monastery, which has a radically different perspective than you and I living our lives Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now, how do these principles are applicable to us and are they even biblical? That, that, again, we don't, want, we don't want the writings of Thomas the Kempis to become extra biblical rules. We don't want that, okay? We don't want to formulate a new, like, legalistic principles. No, no, no. What we, we want to just consider what he has to say and just think about how it's applicable to us. Now, some of the things he's going to put forth, I think we can either just be outright dismissive of and go, you know what, that's just what how they think in a monastery has no application to me. And I think that's wrong. I think on a some, in another way it would be wrong to take it and say, this is now the rule that everyone must follow. That would be wrong. I think the balance would be, okay, how can I think about this 
in light of, of not living in a monastery. Now, let's just see what he has to say here. Let nothing be great unto you. He doesn't want you to consider anything great or, or be like, oh, wow, that's amazing. That's great. Other than if it is uh, uh, other than if it's God or comes of God. Now, we have a lot of things that we run around going, that's great. That's awesome. That's amazing. We esteem them. We, 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 we had admiration. We think you're great. They think you're amazing. Now, how do we balance that in my Christian life? There are things I think are amazing. There are things that are great. There, there's television shows I think are so awesome and great and music and books and great, great. Am I, am I hurting myself spiritually? How does that work? Let nothing be great unto you, nothing high, nothing pleasing, nothing acceptable except it be simply God or comes of God. Esteem all comfort vain. So anything that brings pleasure, anything that brings comfort, you should just see it as vanity of vanities unless it is God or comes directly from God. Now, I have struggled with a lot of this in my Christian life. I've gone through so many ups and downs and trying to figure this out. I I have struggled with this. And and I was really confronted with this. And I've talked about this before. I was confronted with this when I, when, uh, well, I joined the United States military. Then I went off to obviously basic training. Then after basic training, I went to uh, Shepherd Air Force Base in Wichita Falls, Texas for my uh, technical training. Um, for for the medical world. So I'm there at, there at uh, Shepherd Air Force Base. I can't remember how long I was there, a long time. Then finally I graduated from technical school. Then, then I had a time of leave. Then I finally went to my first duty station, which was going to be off at Air Force Base in, well, technically Bellevue, Nebraska, but it's classified as Omaha, Nebraska. It's actually located in Bellevue, Nebraska, uh, off at Air Force Base. All right, so off at Air Force Base, I have to take a bus. Now, it's just so weird to me that I'm in the Air Force and I have to take a bus to my first duty assignment. I'm like, I'm in the Air Force, right? Airplanes, right? I can't be flown to my first duty assignment. So I'm in a bus and I literally, I was on that bus forever from Texas, from Abilene, Texas to Omaha, Nebraska. I think just driving in a car is like 14 hours. So on the bus, I think it literally was 24 hours or more that I was on that bus. It was crazy because it's not just a direct shot on the bus. It was, it was just nuts. So finally I arrive. I arrive downtown Omaha, Nebraska at the Greyhound bus station. And when I get off the bus in the military, they have a sponsor who's going to meet, greet, meet you there and, and be there. And, and so I have, uh, my sponsor is waiting on me and we get in the car and for, and I had prayed and prayed that my sponsor would be a Christian. I'd prayed because I just knew that, you know, going to a new base. I just knew I, I was going to need some, you know, a, some, a Christian there to hopefully be a good Christian to help, you know, guide me and just keep me, you know, accountable and just, you know, for all, all kinds of different reasons. Okay. So I get in the car, he turns on family, not American family radio, but family radio, conservative Christian radio station at the time, reform theology, Bible teaching, hymns, oh, everything was so great about it. And of course, family radio became, was, owned and operated by Harold Camping, which then he loses his mind and 
starts predicting the world's going to end in 1994. Crazy things started happening relatively quick, quick, but that radio station was so influential in my Christian life. But my sponsor, he was a, he was a Christian, but he had a very specific, interesting perspective on life. And here was his view. No entertainment, none. Entertainment, mindless, waste of time, that what we as Christians should be focused on is church, ministering to other people, praying, Bible study, listening to hymns, Bible memorization, Bible reading, you know, minister to other people. I mean, that really, that's your life. Now, a couple of things to re- remember. He was single, so he didn't have a family. So in other words, his, his, his perspective wasn't going to impact children or a wife or anybody else. So it was just him and his apartment. I don't think he really even had any furniture. He may have had like, he had a bed, obviously. Maybe he had a chair. I don't even know if there was a desk in there. Really, there was like nothing. It was crazy. And all he did, we'd go to work and we came home. It was sermons, Bible study, prayer. I mean, that was it. That was his life. And, and if you invited him over to your house, he was basically like, what are we going to do? Like, well, we're going to eat. And it basically, he, it, was, it was very blunt. If we're not going to have a Bible study, then I'm not coming over because he wasn't going to engage in any form of entertainment. He wasn't going to watch sports. He wasn't going to go to a sporting event. Wasn't going to go to concert. Wasn't, I mean, nothing for entertainment. Music wasn't for entertainment. It was obviously for edification and to draw him closer to God. So it was hymns. That was it. It was so, I never met a Christian like that. It was bizarre. And he, and he was treated by even people within Christianity as almost as someone who was weird, someone who was, you know, crazy. Like, like in other words, even Christians viewed him as you're out of your mind. You're, you're crazy. You're, 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 you're nuts. So I felt bad for him um, in that way. And his position was greatly convicting to me. So at different times in my Christian life, I would ponder. So I wonder like, okay, so if I gave up all entertainment, no TV, no movies, no novels, okay, what would that look like? Like, how, how, would I, how would I be able to, to, to make that happen? Uh, okay, uh, who, who am I referring? Okay, someone listening just asked, says, just start hopping on. Who is this? This is my friend in Nebraska who was my sponsor when I was in the military, right? Um, he, was, uh, he was actually the best man at my uh, wedding. So uh, that, that's who I'm referring to. And uh, he had just this, this crazy view that nothing, you couldn't do anything, just, just everything with God. And, and of course, he would argue and he would cite as his reason for his position would be a couple of things. He would be like, well, the Bible doesn't call us to entertainment or do that. It calls us to the Great Commission, to pray without ceasing, to study to show yourself approved, to meditate on God's word day and night. He would quote all of these scriptures and he would make a pretty good valid point. And then he would cite many times people in church history like Thomas Akempis. And Thomas Akempis is basically saying, hey, don't esteem anything other than that which comes from God. In fact, let me read it to you again. All right. Let nothing be great unto you, uh, nothing high, nothing pleasing, nothing acceptable, except it be simply God or comes from God. Esteem all comfort vain. Esteem any pleasure as vain unless it comes directly from God. Now, other Christians have a different perspective. They're like, well, wait a minute. 
I can enjoy these things that come from God and they see, well, art comes from God so I can enjoy it. That they see it from a different perspective that I know I am enjoying these things. They see it as somehow being from God, even though it's not really leading you to God or helping you spiritually, they think you can just take enjoyment in it. So what? where is that balance? I don't know. But what I was trying to say is I, I struggled with this in my Christian life. Like, okay, so that's it. No entertainment, nothing, just, just scripture. And, and then I would go, well, is that the right way? Is that just legalism? How do I, or, or you would find yourself, and I, and I saw some Christians who had a similar view to this individual, not as, as, sti- as strict as his, but they would be like, no television, no television, no secular music. But then you would notice that they weren't spending all of their time reading their Bible. They were doing other things, playing board games or doing that. They, 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 they filled in that time with other activities as well. I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can just say, well, put it this way. What, what, here's always what tends to happen is whatever decision a person makes for themselves, they tend to want to impose that concept on everyone else as a legalistic rule. Now, my friend, he never did that. He, he was like, if other people want to do that, you do what you want, but I'm not. Like, and, I, and, and like even at work, when lunchtime, almost, I don't think he ever ate, at, ever, maybe ever once in a while he would eat at lunch. But if he did eat, he would eat quickly. And then guess what the rest of his lunch hour was? He was sitting there with a Bible and a notebook. So um, it, was, it was completely different than the way most Christians acted. But he never tried to impose it on other people as you're not as spiritual as me. It never became a, a badge of pride or arrogance. So that's the one thing I greatly respected. But others would always turn it into, well, we don't have a TV. And if you do have a TV, you're not the spiritual ones. We're the spiritual ones. You're ungodly. You're worldly. And I almost always saw it turn into that. I don't listen to secular music. You do. Therefore, I'm godly. And it would, it, that's when it, that's not beneficial to anyone. That goes against Thomas Akempis' other concept. His other concept is stop worrying about everyone else. I think every Christian has to decide for themselves what, how do you engage with things that are not directly spiritual? Entertainment, friends, activities, get-togethers, picnics, camping, fishing, hunting, quilting, whatever you want to do, scrapbooking. I I don't even know what you want to do. Whatever you want to do, sports, whatever it is. How, how do you balance that? And I don't think Christians have a good, I don't think many Christians have a good answer for it. I think many Christians just do kind of whatever they want to do, which is clearly not the spiritual approach. I think we can clearly identify that most Christians spend most of their time doing things not spiritual, and we see the results of that, the lack of spirituality in our lives. I, I don't think there's a good answer. I think my, my thing is this. You have to decide for yourself and don't then immediately try to shove it down everyone else's throats or allow it to puff you up. Because if it's simply, if you, if you, if you deciding not to engage in other things just makes you spiritually arrogant and prideful, then it didn't actually benefit you. You're like, well, I didn't, I didn't watch that television show. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I've seen this even in church. 
and, and sometimes it's just utterly ridiculous. But some sometimes people want to show that they're more spiritual than everyone else in, in church. So you're in church, you're preaching, right? And maybe for an illustration, you mentioned something like, so during the Super Bowl, you know, there was a commercial and then someone, oh, and, and this used to be bad. It's not, it's not that way anymore in the church now because it's smaller. But when, it, when there was more people, it almost seemed inevitable that someone would speak out and say, wait, the Super Bowl was last night. Wait, never heard of that commercial. And it's like, they've got to like speak out and let everyone know in the church that while the rest of you pagans were watching the Super Bowl, I wasn't watching the Super Bowl or, or that you would mention a movie. I, I've never heard of that movie. Why do you got to tell everyone that you never heard the movie? Like, well, why, or why? you got to just let everyone know that you're more spiritual than everyone else. And that's spiritual arrogance. That's spiritual pride. So you abstaining from watching that movie, listening to that music, and you not knowing about it has only made you spiritually arrogant. It's not made you better off spiritually. So therefore, there's no, that's just as vain. In other words, Thomas Akempis wants us to realize that all of these things earthly are vanity. They are. I agree. They're, they're, they're vain in that sense. They're not going to necessarily help me spiritually. Now, I think we can engage at least movies and music in a way that can still be spiritually edifying if we're analyzing the message and thing. I think we can still find spiritual benefit in it. That's a whole different podcast. But I know this, that if you're not abstaining, it just makes you spiritually arrogant and that you've got to tell everyone, then that then that's just as, as vain. In other words, you're abstaining from it. It's just as vain as those who engage in it. So Thomas Akempis is putting forth a radical approach, but remember, he lived in a monastery. So, I mean, their whole life was prayer and Bible reading and scripture reading. And I mean, that, I mean, that was their whole life. So how does that apply into our lives? Now, I know what you're saying. Well, some may say, well, see, obviously then it doesn't apply at all. It, it, it's applicable. We just got to know how do we do this? And I think that there's lots of danger that comes with a lot of the different approaches that has been put forth in Christianity. So let me read it again. Um, let nothing be great unto you, nothing high, nothing pleasing, nothing acceptable, except it be simply God or comes of God. Esteem all comfort vain. And I'll read it this way. Esteem all comfort vain, which comes to you from any creature. So any comfort, any pleasure you get from anything other than God, it's vanity. And you need to see it as vain and you need to just focus on God. And that sounds good, but I, I don't know. But put it this way. If you can accomplish that, great. Just don't let it now become a source of spiritual arrogance and pride and, and you shove it down everyone else's throat as that they have to do it your way. I think that's when it becomes a problem. Maybe. All right, here we go. A soul that loves God despises all things that are inferior unto God. That's a major claim by Thomas Kempis. If you truly love God, guess what? You're going to despise everything that's inferior to God. You're going to despise it. You're going to be all, look, God is so great. All I care about is reading, meditating, prayer. That's all I care about. Everything else is inferior. Now, it would be great to, to have that mentality. I think a lot of people would fake that mentality I think it would be great maybe to have that mentality if it did not make you spiritually arrogant, puffed up, condescending, and like that that would not be of any value. I, I think in theory, we would all say amen to that. 
God is greater than everything else. God is the greatest. God is amazing. His word, I mean, we preach it all the time. And, and sometimes there is a lot of hypocrisy in this. Women, I love, God's word is the greatest thing ever. I love the Bible. It is God's word. It is awesome. It is spiritual food. I love it. And then we barely have any engagement with it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. God is the greatest thing ever. I'm to love him with all my heart, with all my soul. And we, we say that and everybody's like, amen. And then we really spend most of the week demonstrating that we love everything else other than God. I think we have to just acknowledge the hypocrisy that we all demonstrate. We all demonstrate it. It's easy to write it down. I mean, I, I, could, I could write this in my journal. Okay, a soul that loves God despises all things that are inferior unto God. I can put that in my journal right over here. Well, my journal's way down the end of the table. I could write it down. Ooh, look, that's good stuff. That preaches good. I don't know if we ever truly grasp that. Now, someone who's sacrificed everything to, to dedicate themselves to, to the things of God in a monastery, that, that may be somewhat true of them. I don't know about the rest of us. And again, then it can turn into just legalism. And that's not, that's not good either. So I, I know I'm not trying to just completely throw out his discussion here, but I'm at least trying to offer some balance here. Well, let's continue. Um, so a soul that loves God, we're, we're literally down to like the last sentence. A soul that loves God despises all things that are inferior unto God. God alone is everlasting and of infinite greatness, filling all things, the soul's solace and the true joy of the heart. And that ends chapter five of book two of the Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. The next chapter is the joy of a good conscience, which is gonna get us, probably maybe get us into some very specific Catholic theology, but we, we will set that aside for now. All right, Thomas Akempis seems in that chapter to really focus on two very important concepts. Number one, that we have to be focused on ourselves spiritually. Now, it doesn't mean a selfish, where we ignore other people's needs and we don't love people. No, he's talking about spiritually. We need to be more worried about ourselves spiritually than preoccupied with everyone else's failures, flaws, faults, and that we run around sharing everyone else's failures, uh, flaws, no, we should not be, sometimes we have to confront people and we have to deal with it, but we should not be running around spreading it. And no, it, that's not the way. We have to be worried about ourselves spiritually because we always have enough garbage inside of ourselves. And that's a very important reminder when we all have failed on in some way, shape or form and some very important lessons. Then he kind of ends the chapter with this really strong idea that, hey, you should just basically love God focus on the things of God and not find any pleasure and care about anything that's inferior to God in which everything is inferior to God. So that your life should just be about God. I, that sounds so good. It preaches so good. I just, I don't know how we, do we have to do that? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I look, I could build a scriptural case for trying to argue for a life like that. I think I could, maybe I could build a scriptural argument for demonstrating that I believe there's things in life that we can enjoy as well, but there's a balance. 
I think every Christian has to, I think every Christian will never stop struggling with trying to find that balance. I, I think every Christian will, will never come to an end of struggling. There's some Christians who, and, and the sad part though, and, and I just have to stress this, I guess, one more time, is so many who really get this idea, okay, that's it, just the things of God, nothing worldly, nothing fleshly, no entertainment, no movies, no television, no music, no novels. Those who really get to that point spiritually, other than just a very few examples that I can remember, like my, my sponsor when I was in the military, other than him, um, I think every other example I've seen of that almost immediately leads to a very arrogant, spiritual pride where they look down on everyone else and a legalism where they want to impose that on everyone else. And that to me demonstrates that that is just as vain as the people who may spend too much time doing other things that aren't related to the things of God. I I think we have to see the danger of it. Here, here, I I think I'll end with, I think this is the right way to end this. And I know it's not directly related, but I think there's a principle here that we need at least, I'm just going to present to you and you can think about. We have a tendency because of our sinfulness that every spiritual success that we experience, every spiritual advancement that we experience as Christians has a tendency to become a source of spiritual arrogance and pride or something that becomes legalistic in how we try to impose it on other people. I think we are, we're all guilty of it. We, we experience this massive spiritual growth or this closeness to God, and it almost becomes, well, then everyone should be like me. Everyone should do it my way. And, and then we, we, then we, we want to brag to everyone else about what we do. Oh, I think we all, probably every Christian has experienced it, a little bit of that spiritual pride, a little bit of it. Or then it becomes a legalistic thing that we want to impose on everyone else. No, you no, going to the movie theater is sinful. You can't go, now once you determine that you don't think you can go to the movie theater, then you want to immediately impose it on everyone else. That, that, that's what I've seen over and over and over within Christianity. It's like you come to that conclusion and you immediately want to impose on everyone else. Now, obviously, things that are clearly outlined as sin in the Bible is sin. But if you're not committing those sins, that should not be a source of spiritual arrogance on your part. It should be one of humility and gratefulness, not one of spiritual arrogance and pride. But we we tend to take all of our spiritual victory. Our our spiritual victories tend to become a source of of our next spiritual defeat. Oh, look at me, I'm doing great. And next thing you know, how did I end up here? You know, because maybe we were so preoccupied with how great we were doing. I don't know. It, it's, it's a very interesting perspective that Thomas Kempis has, but again, I think a lot of it is, is to be understood in the historical context where he found himself, which was sitting inside a monastery, cut off from all the quote-unquote pleasures of the world. Well, he better be writing things like he finds all of his pleasure in God or he's going to be very miserable sitting in that monastery. 
right? I mean, every day is controlled by a strict schedule. You wake up morning prayer, you do this, then you have afternoon prayer, and then you do this and you have mass, and then you do this, you have evening prayer, and then, oh, you've got your time of sitting in that room alone, doing spiritual, all of that, depending on what structure they used in the monastery in which he was in. I know there was different schedules from different monasteries, but if you study all the different monasteries, their day is completely governed by the things of God. So clearly he's going to write it from that perspective. Now, you would have to ask yourself, why is it that some people seem to be content and find great joy sitting in a monastery with their whole life dedicated to God? And maybe some of us, we wouldn't find pleasure in doing that. What, is there something wrong with us? Again, the whole point of the, of the imitation of Christ is to give people things to meditate on. So I'm not going to give you any answers for any of those. I'm just going to stop right there. There you go. We'll move to the next chapter, possibly tomorrow. All right, I'm going to stop for a few minutes. I'll be back. There's a couple more things I want to try to get done today. So we'll see if we can knock some more things out here in the next hour or so. You can always email me your agreement or disagreement with Thomas Kempis. I will make sure Thomas Kempis gets your email. He's right here sitting next to me. I'll just hand him your email and then Thomas Kempis can write you back. No, obviously he can't, okay? But I would prefer all of the hateful emails to go to Thomas and all the positive emails to go to Trevor, okay? So if it's negative, address it to Thomas. If it's positive, address it to me. That, that's that's the way I want to approach this. All right, email newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, or of course, if you're a part of the Discord Theology Central Discussion Group, t- discuss away, and uh, we'll we'll see if uh, what, how people feel about what Thomas Kemp has had to say in this chapter. All right, we'll stop right there. Everyone have a great day. I'll be back on the air shortly. God bless. <laughs>